The host of this show, Max Naist, lived in addiction for years and made lots of destructive choices, which resulted in losing friends, family, and his career. After being in jail for the fourth time, he knew he needed to make some big changes. Now, sober for 17 years, he shares the steps he took, which led to recovery and got his life back. Welcome to Fearless Happiness. 19.7 million American adults have battled a substance use disorder. 38% of adults have battled an illicit drug use disorder. But no matter what the struggle, no matter the challenge, you can overcome anything and become successful. Max and his guests share experience, strength, hope, and faith. If it's PTSD or military-related, trauma, physical, verbal, sexual addiction, alcoholism, you can accomplish your dreams. And with this show, we help others be fearless in their pursuit of happiness. This is Fearless Happiness, and this is Max Naist. Today I have an awesome guest my friend, fellow speaker, and an amazing musician, but I'll let him tell you all about that in just a second. But we have a great, great guest today who does a lot of good work out there in the world. And I finally got to meet him in person and his lovely wife last weekend. So with further ado, Joe, introduce yourselves and let the people with the audience know who you are and what it is you do. Yeah. Uh, Hello, everybody. My name is Joe Nestor. I am a grateful recovering addict and alcoholic. By the grace of God, you know, I, I have over eight and a half years clean today. And, um, you know, I'm just a, a, I'm a normal guy. I mean, a lot of people think differently, I guess, you know, but honestly, man, I'm just a normal guy in recovery. God has blessed me with some, some gifts and I'm just utilizing them. You know, I, I love to write music about what I've been through and what God has brought me through and what I've overcame. And uh, I try to, you know, write songs in, in a way that people can relate and let them know that, you know, they're not alone. You know, I had no idea that so many people would relate. Uh, but yeah, man, I make a living just touring the country, uh, sharing my music and speaking, you know, um, about recovery and what God has brought me through. And it's amazing. Yeah, everybody. I had the honor of being picked up by Joe and his lovely wife at the airport in Pennsylvania. And I got to hear some of his his new music. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, like this guy, let me tell you, he he writes. I don't care who you are, where you live in this country or in this world. You're going to relate to his music because it's well, one, it's raw and it comes from his heart. And he shares his he shares his experience through his music. And um, I'll let you, Joe, tell you a little bit more about that. But he's been like he says, he's an active recovery. He's a, he's been clean for almost nine years now, but he's seen the bad parts. You know, he's you know, we, him and I can relate in so many ways. Right. Um, I didn't go to prison, but I came close. But uh, Joe's been to prison and but I'm going to let you tell him. So like what I like to do for the audience, Joe, is is Mm -hmm. talk about some of those challenges, like what you went through, kind of like when we shared our story at the last event that we got to, you know, I got to be blessed to be a part of, you know, share with the audience like parts of your story, like some of your biggest challenges and what led you to get clean and finally put you on the path that you're on now. Yeah, absolutely. Um. You know, I will say this, I I come from a very good, uh, loving family, you know, a very close-knit family. We went to church every Sunday, and uh, I grew up, I was an all-state baseball pitcher, you know, and uh, I never really partied or drank like that. I had the same group of friends from the age of six all the way through high school. Uh, But let me tell you, addiction does not discriminate. 
It doesn't matter if you're black. doesn't matter if you're white, Hispanic, yellow, purple. It don't matter if you're rich, if you're poor, if you had a good upbringing, if you had a bad upbringing. You know, it, it doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter. It could hit you uh, early on in life or it could hit you, you know, like me. Um, it started when I was 19, you know, and I was kind of sheltered from that uh, for most of my life. So I didn't really know anything about that side, you know, of hard drugs. Uh, all I knew is from the minute, from the minute I, I took them, uh, there was no dibbling or dabbling, you know, it was all out. Uh, as soon as those chemicals hit my bloodstream, a switch flipped on inside of me that I couldn't turn off. It sparked that addiction. And I, I guess in so many ways I did have it growing up. You know, because when I found something that I liked, I really pursued it and I took it to the extreme. Like I said, like I loved baseball and I practiced day in and day out until I was the best person on the team. You know, same thing with skateboarding, same thing with guitar and same thing with drugs. You know, the drugs just took it into a negative aspect and um, it brought me down really quick, man. It brought me down, um, I, would, I think in like three months within like three or four months after trying drug, hard drugs for the first time, I was already homeless on the streets. Let's just say, you know, everything that I said I would never do, I ultimately ended up doing, you know, and, and just adapting to that street lifestyle. I didn't know anything about it at first. I just, here's this kid who was sheltered from this most of his life, you know? So when I became homeless, it was almost exciting for me. I was young. I didn't care. It was summertime, 2002. Like I was like, I'm just going to live off the land. You know, I'm just going to, I'm going to have fun for a little bit. It's going to be a summer. You know, I'm just going to get, I'm just going to get wild and crazy for a summer, have this crazy experience. I'll enroll into college come fall time. I'll get my life together. And it'd be just some crazy story that I tell my kids when I get older. Right. Right. Well, that summer lasted 10 years. It sucked me in that lifestyle sucked me in. It started off panhandling, you know, uh, kind of like asking for begging for change and money on the corners and at the street lights. Then it led to shoplifting, went to prison for that. Um, and every time I went to prison, I became a better criminal. I learned you would think that when you go to prison, no. it's like, all right, obviously this way is not working. So I need to straighten up, you know, ultimately the idea of prison is to rehabilitate you, right. To, so you learn from your lessons or you right. learn your lessons, not for me. It went the other way. I was surrounded by a bunch of better criminals who taught me how to scheme and, and do even more dirt. So shoplifting led to burglaries, got locked up for that, did prison time for that. Burglaries led to robberies and, and it just trickled on down. Like I said, man, everything that I said, I would never do. I, I ended up doing and that 10th year, I was completely broken and hopeless, Max. And like when I say like 130 pounds soaking wet, I might have been less than that. I was missing all of my teeth. I had all my teeth knocked out from robberies gone bad and other stuff and drugs and stuff. Um, and I was a three-time felon, convicted felon, you know, so I was a habitual offender. Right. Uh, and I didn't have anything going for me, man. I was homeless for 10 years with a crazy rap sheet. I looked like Schmeagle off Lord of the Rings. <laughs> right. I, I mean, dude, I, what did I have to offer the world? You know, right. and I think that was kind of like my biggest hurdle. You know, right. I didn't believe in myself, uh, especially growing up, going to church every Sunday. Uh, I was raised Catholic. So it's like, 
man. Right. I was like, kind of like scared, you know, like there was no way God could forgive me as I'm, I was lucky that he didn't just come down and just strike me dead right there. You know? Right. Um, you know, so I didn't think, I didn't believe in myself. I didn't think that God, you know, could save me. I thought he was angry with me. Um, and I was just completely broken and hopeless. And I thought, you know, these are just the decisions that I've made in my life. And uh, they were poor life choices. Ultimately, it's led me to where I am. But this is just the hand that I've been dealt. I made these choices and I have to suffer the consequences. I'm probably going to die with a needle in my arm. And like, dude, that's a scary spot, man. When you just accept that. When you're so broken and hopeless that like you don't even care about like getting help. You don't think that help's available. You don't, you're just so just numb to everything where like, you're like, yeah, I'm probably going to die, but you just accept it and lay down, right. you know? I get and it. Now that was, that was like my biggest hurdle, man. Like not believing in myself, you know, and not thinking that I was worthy uh, of getting help, worthy of, of getting clean. You know, um, I, I feel like a lot of people, they struggle with that. They think all they think about is I got this. I've been through this. I got my rap sheet. Uh, you know, I've been convicted of this. I'll never get a job again, or I'll never, I'll never be a productive member of society. How, how my family will never love me again. My family will never accept me again. This and that they, they worry about all that stuff. So they just don't even try, you know? And we see that all the time. Right. And that, and I, I wasn't laughing at you earlier. I was laughing with you because I know exactly mm -hmm. that feeling. You know what I mean? Because, yeah, exactly. Like, um, I didn't make it to prison, but I came very close, right? Like, last time I was in jail, judge was like, you either got three, you're going to three, uh, spend three years in prison or I'm going to find you a place, right? And I understand that, like, hopelessness. As my mentors yeah. have taught me and like I posted today, right? Like, I was committing suicide. You know, I was killing myself on the installment plan every time I picked up a drug or a drink and put it in my system, right? With the hopes that one day I wouldn't wake up because I was one, too chicken to do it. And two, I was just had no sense of direction, right? So you, I can relate to you 100%, right? And we got to share our stories together and I think for the audience out there who doesn't understand addiction, right? You know, because we, we've heard it, right? People say, why can't you just quit? Well, it wasn't that easy. <laughs> if we could just quit. We wouldn't have gone to prison. Or we wouldn't, you know, we... In, it, in, it, the book, in the book, they say that they call that frothy emotional appeal. Right, right. And Why can't you just quit? Quit yeah. for your kids. Quit for your mom. Quit for this. Like, it's not that simple, man. <laughs> yeah, you know, and there's times, you know, I, I would get high in the house with my brother. And one time we heard our mom crying because she knew what we were doing, right? But did that stop us, right? No. Getting high was so more important. We just left the house and went somewhere else to do it, right? Until we finally get sober, till we get that courage to go, okay, you know, and I know you've had these prayers. God, just get me out of this, this one last time and I'll do whatever it takes to stay clean and sober. You know what I mean? I had that. Fox hole prayers. Yeah, exactly. Right. And, and, and there's a video I show clients, right? So you heard father Martin in the 12 steps, right? And he talks about those prayers and he says, don't you ever, ever basically paraphrase belittle those prayers. Cause those are the best prayers you've ever said. Right. And finally God heard us, right? Like in your case, God heard you and said, okay, Joe, I got plans for you. I've always had plans for you, but I, you know, you decided to go do this for a while. So I let you go do it. You know, now listen to what I have for you. So tell the audience, like, 
about your journey, right? From, from being, you know, cause I got to hear details, right? We don't have to get into details, but, and you can relate, right? We think about those times we did some of the stuff that we swore we would never do. Right. And mm-hmm. like to be alive and, and for us to be on this, this podcast and, you know, I get to interview you, like that's a gift right there to me. It's like, yeah. you know, if you would have told me 18 years ago, Hey, you'd be interviewing Joe Nestor, you know, and I would have been like, well, whatever you got, Joe, you're good because you need to pass it my way because I'm tripping out here. Right. <laughs> But we had some, you know, yeah, yeah. you know, you just got married. So the gifts keep coming, right? We keep doing the next right thing. We don't put any drugs in our system. But, but <laughs> let the audience know, because you have been the, you get the honor of being my first drug addict in recovery, right? To share their story on my podcast, right? So there's, I'm, there, I'm the honest. audience doesn't, not all of them are going to understand. So try to tell the audience like that struggle, you know, like, because you know, and I know that guilt and shame keeps us in our addiction if we don't oh, 100 percent. you know what i mean so let the audience know like kind of the struggles you went through the challenges to get you that you've overcome now with almost nine years being clean and sober and and where you are now and writing music and writing beautiful music is that and and then getting married to your lovely wife thank you um well i mean they say rarely does an addict change until the pain becomes great enough right mm-hmm. and i think just us as human beings we're all different. We all have different thresholds for pain. You know what I mean? So it's like, I had to be homeless for 10 years. I had to sleep under bridges in negative wet and like, you know, negative 10 degree weather, chipping ice off my socks, you know, in the morning, eating out of dumpsters, you know, because I'm hard headed, man. And I got a high threshold for pain. <clears throat> Other people, you know, maybe they lose their job, you know, and they're like, oh my God, you know, and maybe they get locked up and they go to booking and receiving or they go to county jail before they hit the big house. You know what I mean? And that's enough to wake them up. It doesn't change the fact that the emotions are there. They're the same. You know, we're all the same. It's just people have different thresholds for pain, you know? Absolutely. Um, and, And And for me, man, like I used to look at, I think one of the things that kept me sick and suffering is all those guilts, you know, oh, God's never going to forgive me for this. Or I have all these excuses like, oh, I'm missing my teeth. I look like, you know, I look like a hobbit. I look weird, you know, (laughs) like nobody's going to give me a chance in real life, you know, or I had this crazy rap sheet. Nobody's going to want to hire me. Mm. I had all these excuses, doubts and fears, and it kept me from even reaching out for help. I used to look at reaching out for help as a sign of weakness, you know, Um, but man, is that the furthest thing from the truth? These are the lies the enemy will tell you, you know, Um, these are the lies that your addiction, you know, you'll be so wrapped up in it. You'll convince yourself, you know, because you won't even realize it. You know, Uh, addiction is originally it's, it's the spirit of bondage. It is literally the enemy It's the devil who wants to keep you. He wants to take your soul, you know, and, um, overcoming that was one of the hardest things in my life, you know? Uh, but I'm so grateful for it. You know, when I finally got to that point, like I said, I reached enough pain where I was willing to do whatever it took, you know? Uh, and what that looks like for me is I hopped on a train with nothing but the clothes on my back, nothing. I, ha- I didn't even have $20 to my name. And I took a 26 hour train ride down to South Florida. I had no idea where I was going, what I was doing. I just got a call the night before 
from my best friend who just so happened to be the same friend who introduced me to drugs in the first place. But he got clean a while back and uh, he heard how bad I was doing and he offered some help, you know, to try to get me into treatment. So, you know, I did whatever it took, man, as broken and hopeless as I was, there had to be a level of, of just complete surrender. You know, when I finally broke and I reached that tolerance where I couldn't take any more, I was okay. done. Uh, complete surrender, complete willingness. Uh, and they call that the gift of desperation. You know, I was so desperate, Max, that literally I got a call seven o'clock on December 17th, 2012, seven o'clock at night. Literally the very next morning, I was on a 26 hour train ride nothing but the clothes on my back. I got down to Florida. I went into detox and I detoxed cold turkey, man. You know, I won't, I won't get into that story, you know, but that was crazy all in itself. My buddy told me whatever he had to tell me to get on that train. He's like, <laughs> oh, they're going to give you Suboxone. You're going to be great. You're not going to feel any withdrawals. And I get down there. It's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> no, we don't do any of that. <laughs> so, right. Uh, but no, man, you know, um, and I would love to say that it was just peaches and cream from there, but I, I mean, I, I gotta be realistic. It, it wasn't, you know, when we're addicted to drugs, it's, it's trifold, man. You know, it, it, it's mental, it's physical yeah. and it's spiritual, you know? And Absolutely. like I got through the withdrawals. So the physical aspect was cool. You know, I got into treatment, but like, man, the mind games, like I could not stop thinking about it. I couldn't yeah. stop. You know, I had been homeless for 10 years doing the same thing. That's all I knew, you know? So it's like, and, and the only way that I was going to change that was to start talking, you know, uh, to God, you know? And at that point in my recovery, I was like, I had the faith of, like, like they said, a mustard seed. That's about it. I didn't really know who I was talking to. I didn't know what I was. I was just like, listen, dude, help me stay here today because I don't want to go back out there and do what I've been doing. I know where that leads me. I know what that's going to do. And I don't want to live like that anymore. So please just give me at least the strength to stay today. You know, and that's what it looked like for me. And I did that day in and day out, you know, so I got the physical side taken care of. I invited God, started talking to him, you know, um, I started talking to him, you know, and building that relationship with him and inviting him in to start taking care of the mental, you know, yep. um, the people around me, they were all telling me the same thing, you know, go to meetings, get a sponsor and work the steps. And that was a hurdle too, because I had been, I'm not used to being around people in recovery at that point. I've never seen people in recovery. So I don't believe that they're sober. First of all, I'm like, you guys are probably getting drunk when you go home tonight. Oh yeah. You know, and oh, I'm, I just, I'm with you. <laughs> I couldn't fathom the concept of somebody being sober. How, how can you have fun without drugs and alcohol? You know? Right. And I certainly didn't believe the steps because I was like, there's no way some, some steps on this wall right here are going to save me from myself, you know? Right. But just like the same thing, man, I just kept talking to God, man. Just like, dude, I don't know what your purpose is for me, but obviously you keep waking me up every day for a reason. You know what I mean? So please Absolutely. like, just give me the strength to stay. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what the future holds, but just give me the strength to stay today. I don't really believe in this mumbo jumbo, but like, I'm going to do it. I'll do it. Whatever. And do baby steps, man. 
baby steps. And like, I kept telling myself like 30 or 60 days. All right. After 60 days, I'm going to go back, you know, mm-hmm. after 90 days, I'm going to go back. And it just kept staying. And then finally, man, like he just kept snipping those chains one at a time, one at a time, one. At, and it just freeing me until one day I woke up, man. And it was no longer, um, it was no longer the desire to get high. You know, I no longer had reservations. Like maybe one day I can drink successfully. Maybe one day I can like smoke some weed successfully without going to heroin and crack and all that stuff. Uh, I woke up, man. And eventually one day, like, it's like he went in and he reprogrammed, rewired these short circuits up here and it made sense. And it was like, man, not only do I not have to do that, but I don't want to do that. Right. I have no reservations, you know, and the thoughts about using started coming less and less. And I just started getting my relationship with God just started getting stronger and through working those steps helped me overcome those hurdles. And I started to get a better understanding of myself, my character defects, you know, the way that I think, you know, and I was like, all right. So I know when I start thinking like this, that's going to lead to this, you know, and I don't want to do that. So right. now I can act accordingly, you know, and it was just, it's a beautiful thing, man. The recovery, the steps, the process, everything involved with it paired up with God. Um, and they, they go hand in hand, man. And then like, I, by no means, like, you know, a lot of people, like they're not there yet. You call them higher power or whatever. Just please don't call them a doorknob. Yeah. Like, or a coffee cup. <laughs> yeah don't don't do that man doorknobs they could turn on you yeah you know <laughs> like come on man <laughs> literally but um, yeah. yeah that's see that's the process right like i had no idea like this is where our similarities like i had no idea what aa was or na or 12 steps when i got to you know the place i was at they just said you know and my sponsor you know and, and i know just to let the audience know, I mean, this is one way people get sober. It's not one size fits all, but I thought I'd bring, yeah. Joe, bring Joe on because he's got quite a story and, and him and I related, right? Because in the same thing, my sponsor, I remember him telling me the day I asked him, he goes, all right, Max, I'll sponsor you. He goes, but you got one thing to change. And I'm cool. What's that? He goes, everything. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, all right. Um, you know, and, and it talks about it, right. We need a complete overhaul of the way we think, the way we do things. Um, and, and like you too, I was just like, okay, I knew there was a God, right. But I was angry at God. Right. Cause here's my thinking back then, my thinking. Right. So I never, I too grew up in a good family. Right. I mean, yes, yeah, single mother, but she always provided me and my little brother, with everything we needed, right? We never went without, right? Three square meals, you know, clothes on our beds to sleep in, a roof over our head. And, you know, we had a big family. I had lots of uncles, lots of cousins, like, you know, aunts, nephews, nieces, just, so it's not like I came from a bad background either, right? And, um, but like you, when I, when I did that first, that first, you know, drink or that drug where I just went, oh, like I have arrived, you know what I mean? Like that life yeah, starts to man. kick in. Like I am the shit, excuse my language. Yep. Yes, <laughs> I have arrived, right? Little did I know that, you know, things as you know yourself, right? Thank God I didn't go to prison. But like, 
So like in this process that you're sharing, right? Like I'm going to tell the audience, right? Like Joe and myself, like we had, here's the similarities, right? Like when I got to that sober living, that treatment center, I had tank top, board shorts and flip-flops. That's it. Nothing. Everything is gone, right? All the friends I thought I had out there, all the homeboys, right? Like my yeah. stuff, my stuff stolen, right? Uh, I burned, you know, I haven't seen my kids in so long. And, you know, my mom is like done with me. Like, you know, mm -hmm. the last time I, you know, before I went to sober living, the last time in jail, she said, you're no longer welcome in my home. And I've shared this story with you, right? You know, yes. I don't know what yeah. you're going to do. But what you're are you not welcome. Do? Yeah, I'm going to call the police if you show up at my door, my neighbors. Right. So like, Joe, I was like, I'm at the same place you are. I'm like, what am I going to do? Right. So so Joe shares. Kind of what I went through, right, what we a lot of people in recovery go through, right, is that surrender, right, like surrender, because and then I'll tell me if I'm wrong, Joe, right, when you're running the streets, right, and you, you got the dope. You know, you're doing all these bad things, right? There's a part of us that just gets addicted to that chaos. And we think yes. we're like, you know, the, the new Al Capone, right? <laughs> like we're it's like an adrenaline rush. Yeah. Right. So when that comes all crashing down and you're left, you know, in my case, you know, when I'm sitting in this sober living house and I, I'm by myself and, you know, all these things, I just going through my head, I had to think, okay, well, I'm going to try here. Right. Because I remember my sponsor telling me, you know, okay, if you don't believe, you know, or you're angry, just believe that I believe. All right. And then he took me to this huge meeting, right, in Orange County. Um, there's this meeting, right, this men's stag that got so big, they had to, they broke it up into three places, right? And each one has at least 150 guys at that meeting, right? And I remember That's going huge. into yeah. And we're going into this meeting. Right. And, and here's what they do. If you're a newcomer, they call you to the podium and they want you to say like, and you're just staring at, you've never done this before. No. Like, I'm like, Oh my God, I got to say who I am in front of all these guys. Right. And it was worse is when I relapsed and had to go back to that meeting. Right. But he goes, just believe that, like, believe in this group that this many guys all are sober. Right. And, and I'm talking, you had a wide range of men, you know what I mean? From, you know, people that had a ton of money to guys that were just coming out of prison, right? Tatted from the neck down, everything in between. And I would look Fight around to business. Accident, absolutely. Right. And I'm thinking, wow, that guy, he's sober. And, you know, I'd find out this guy like you, though, the first time I watched someone take a chip, 10 year chip, I was like, I'm looking at the house and I was like, this, you guys are, you he's guys are good. Shit. Yeah. You guys are full <laughs> of shit. There ain't no one where I came from taking the 10 year chip. They can't, I can't even stay sober five minutes. And you're telling me this person's taking 10 years, you know what I mean? Like whatever you're putting in the coffee or the Kool-Aid here, man, that's pretty good, man. Cause you got your, I know what you're trying to do to me. Right. And I'm like, yeah. no way. Um, but see, the recovery part is it's a beautiful it's a beautiful journey, right? Whether you're an addict or not, right? When you when you come from a place of where like I give up because my way's not working to like what you do now, right? You make beautiful music. I have, you know, a lot of your music on my Spotify and I got to hear it, you know, with some of your music you haven't released yet, you know, on our ride to go speak and 
Yeah. You know, it's, it's a beautiful thing when we decide to surrender, right? Cause what I've learned in the meetings yes. that I went to, right. Sur- surrender means surrender to win. Right. And I didn't know that in the beginning, I'm sure like you didn't, but as we stay clean and sober, right. We realize what that means. Right. When I say, okay, I'm done fighting everything and everyone, even alcohol and drugs. And I give my life to God, right. Like good things are going to start to happen. And I would, I wouldn't, I would fight that so hard in the beginning, you know, yeah. or relapse. How, how are they going to happen? You yeah. Know what I mean, like, right. And you're telling yeah. me I got to believe in this thing that I can't touch, taste, see, or feel, but he's going to take care of all my needs, all my wants. And he's going to make sure I get what I, you know, everything's going to happen. And I'm like, like you, Joe, I'm like, you guys are, man, you guys need to tell me what you're putting in this morning coffee. Cause <laughs> you know what I mean? But um, and I was the same way, man. Yeah. Lad, yeah. share. You know, like this is. You know, I, I I'm so glad that you you decided to become a guest because I wanted you to be. You know, and I know you're busy in that. For you know, because here's the truth that like even with, you know, as much time as I have now, like there's moments like I'd reach out to you. I go, man, this guy ain't even reaching out back to me, man. Like I'm ready to tell this guy <laughs> to f off. You know. See, but that's yeah. why you got a hold of my wife. She <laughs> handles that now because well, I get, I get overwhelmed, dude. No, I get I so much. I got so much going on, and like, yes, I like, I got, I got a lot of fans, and I got a lot of people, you know, reaching out for help, reaching out for bookings, uh, and I got the social media side of it. But what people don't see is like, dude, I'm getting involved in my community as well, volunteering at like the homeless shelters, opening up groups for for um, men who are just getting released from prison um, and, and, uh, and being very active in my church as well. So it's like, man, I got it's like I got like so much going on. Yeah. I was like I had to delegate like my wife, you know, right. like I need you to help handle certain things because I'm getting pulled into so many directions. I forget. Like I could talk to you and set something up and literally an hour ago by and it's like, I forget, you know, No, not, I so. get that. And that's why I tease you. Right. Cause I get it. But you know how we think sometimes like, you know, I'm like, doesn't he know who I am? Like this dude <laughs> better answer my freaking messages, man. You get what I, <laughs> I would do yep. that to my sponsor. Like, for example, like when I was getting sober, right. My first year, I couldn't get a job. Right. I'm a felon. I'm a one-time felon. And it's not even that serious of a felon. It was just drug possession. Right. So I'm yeah. applying, I'm applying, right? I'm even going to these places that are so-called felony friendly, right? And I keep getting the same answer. Ah, we went with a different candidate. I'm like, Phew. so I remember sitting in the office with him one day and I'm like, hey, Daryl, the name is Daryl. I go, man, this shit's bullshit. I go, no one wants to hire me. And he goes, go flip burgers. Man, you should have seen. I was like, I started laughing. I go, dude, really? Like, <laughs> Don't you know? Don't you know who I am? You know like, who I, am? Like, I was like, I'm not flipping burgers, and you know, he just nonchalant. He goes, "Okay, then you'll never get a job." And I was like, "Wow!" So I went home and I actually prayed that night. I said, "Okay, God, if you want me to flip a bur- uh, flip burgers, whether it's at McDonald's or wherever, I'm willing to do that, right?" Because he said, "He goes until you become willing to flip burgers, you will not get a job." And I had interviewed. And that night I prayed on it. And guess what? The next morning I got like my first real job in recovery, like that paid me with a good, decent salary, right? So I could pay my child support and it paid for my medical. And I was like, got my first flip phone, you know? And I was like, 
now I get what he means, right? Sometimes we have to be willing to do the stuff we think is below us, right? Like we yeah. have to humble ourselves, and, right? And, um, and like, uh, what I was going to say is though, like, thank God we connected, right? Cause like, he's funny. Cause check it out audience. As soon as I messaged his wife, like within hours, I got, okay, he could, you think, my calendar pops up and says, yep, you got a new event with Joe Nestor. And I was like, yeah, yeah. we're going to make this happen. Yeah, yeah. And, um, but you know, see, this yeah. is the, this is the beauty of, of like my time in recovery is the people I get to meet from all walks of life. And like I said, it was, it was, it was an, a blessing, you know, it's such an, a blessing to get to meet you and your wife. And we got to, you know, have coffee together and, and get to know each other. Right. Like, Cause like what we talked about before, right. Like that stuff, like doesn't even matter now. Right. Like don't, you know, the only one who really gets to judge us on this journey we call life, right. Is ultimately if we believe in God, it's, it's our God. Right. And, um, yes. right. If I would have went off what other people would have said, this meeting probably would have never happened. Cause one, right. Like Joe's not getting back to me. He thinks he's too cool. So F that guy. I'm not going to even reach out anymore. Right. Oh man. But God works in mysterious ways and he brought us together. Right. And he like, here I have Joe on fearless happiness, sharing his story. So, yes. you know, there's a couple of questions I like to uh, ask my guests, right? You know, you know, I wrote a book I called it fearless happiness, yep. right? Yep. So we'll start with the first one. So, what does fearless look like for you, Joe? Cause you know, like you shared, like, I know some details, but like you shared with the audience, like where you've come from and what you've experienced in your addiction. Right. So what does fearless mean to you? And what is that? How does that show up in your life today? Cause I know you're a parent, so we, we gotta be fearless. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, and it's funny because I mean, like you were saying like this, it's a journey, right? Like even like, we don't even have to say about recovery life. Life itself is a journey, you know, and you could ask me that question a few years ago and my answer would be different, you know? Uh, but today, you know, you asked me, what does fearless mean to me or what does it look like? You know? Um, and where I'm at in my journey today, you know, is the opposite of fear. Like fearless is faithful, you know, uh, I'm full of faith, you know? And because, um, of what God, you know, I choose, I, I call him God. I don't know how to say anything else, man. God, that's what he has brought me through in my life. And the things that we have overcome together, you know, that, that there's no other way to put it, but like, I know he has a divine plan and purpose for me, you know, and I know that he loves me. You know, I know he has yeah. relentless grace, you know, he has that, you know? So like, fearless man i'm faithful i am faithful to him because i know no matter what happens you know no matter what comes across my path what storms you know because just because we're in recovery doesn't mean we have a storm-free life you know yeah. uh, and, and just because I, I, i'm a god-fearing man doesn't mean i have a storm-free life i have a storm-proof life you know uh because of my faith and, and, and that's, that's fearless to me. Like, I don't, I don't care what storm comes across my path, you know, whatever hurdles I have to, to, to jump, you know, I know who stands before me and I know who's going to bring me through it, you know, no matter what. So that's awesome. fearless, man. Yep. Doing those things that 
we know we need to do and doing them anyway, even though sometimes we don't want to, right? Like you. Oh know, yeah, you I, gotta get uncomfortable, man. Oh yeah, but see, I I do a lot of reading. I like I've started to read again, and you've we talked about it. Remember, um, uh, what's his name? Can't hurt me, Goggin, David Goggins, right? Like that guy's the extreme about loving to be uncomfortable, though, right? But I get his whole idea, right? Like, because I know, you know, with long-term sobriety that when I'm uncomfortable, God's about to bring me through something so I can grow as a human being, right? And yes. uh, you know that, right? So, like, now I get uncomfortable when things are, like, really smooth and everything's got, you know, hunky-dory. It's like, wait, you know, like, well, at least for me, I'm always thinking, well, when's that shoe going to draw that other, you know, shoe's going to drop and something bad's going to happen, <laughs> Right. But I, 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 I'm like you, like, I just, I have faith because God has proved it to me over and over again. Right. That if I just practice my faith, believe that he's going to take care of me. And I shared with you and your wife, you know, the last things that happened with me. So I'm, some of the audience knows, right. In the last five years, like if I didn't have that faith, I probably wouldn't be talking to you right now. Right. Yeah. Joe would yeah. be like, Hey man, I'm ready for the podcast, Max, where are you at? You might get up. And you know, the craziest thing is like, I would completely understand yeah. because of everything that you've been through, you know what I mean? And, and things relatively like in such a short amount of time, you know what I mean? God, yeah. A lot of loss, a lot of turmoil, a lot of, you know what I mean? Emotion, it's just an emotional roller coaster. Uh, but amen, man, to you, like, but see, but that's, God, yeah. And that's all God's doing. Right. Like, and look who he puts in my life, Joe Nestor and his wonderful wife. Right. You know, that I got to know on a different level and, and people like yourselves, right? Like that's who I choose to surround myself with people that don't give up, right. That support each other, right. That are real and authentic with each other. Right. Cause there's one thing I learned from a speaker that I, I saw on, on YouTube. Right. And, and it's the basic, I think principles, at least the three main ones that all of us, right, live by in recovery, right? And, and the title of it, if you ever look it up, it's called drug, uh, Great Leaders Do What Drug Addicts Do. And that's one, always be authentic, right? Which we're taught, always be honest to ourselves and to others, right? Yep, to thine own self be true. Right. Surrender the results, right? Knowing that I'm in charge of the footwork and that God's going to handle the results, right? So I know that as long as I do the work and I'm, I'm being truthful, I'm being honest, I'm being ethical, right? It's out of my hands how it's going to end up, but I know it's going to be good because God will handle it, right? And then yeah. the last one is always do the hard work, always, right? So which means staying sober because sometimes some for even with long term, right? We there's certain things that we're not comfortable with, right? Because we're used to doing it a certain way. So um, I know you live that way. Um, and I live that way. And a lot of people we know live that way, right? Because that's just how we stay sober, right? That's how we stay clean. Um, so it leads to the next question. Happiness, right? In my book, I put a why in the happiness, right? For a reason. So knowing, because I told you about it. So what does happiness mean to you? And how does that show up in your life today to me happiness doesn't just show up to me like happiness is a state of mind you know and it's uh ultimately it's a choice it's a choice for me you know what i mean yeah. um and, and dude 
I try my best to have an attitude of gratitude every day, you know, make that gratitude list and uh, remain humble, you know, um, and I try to choose to be happy today. You know, there are certain things that I, that I do to start my day, you know, like when I wake up, obviously I brew my little pot of coffee. I read a little bit of the word and, um, you know, and, and I say my prayers, you know, for him to just guide me throughout the day um, and just invite him into everything that I do, you know, uh, because if you don't say, if you don't stay focused, you know, and, and choose happiness, it's very easy um, to get consumed by the outside things, by the world, you know, and for me, like once a negative thought pops in, it just start running, you know, and start running circles. And then it can just like lead into a bunch of crap, you know, and instead of having just like a bad moment, next thing you know, I have a bad day. I don't ever want to have a bad day. No, you know what I mean, there will always be days where I have, I have bad moments, you know what I mean? Right. But for the most part, happiness is something that I personally choose, you know, and, and how that looks today is like, dude, playing with my kids, you know, you know, I, last night we played till the sun went down just outside playing, uh, you know, playing basketball and playing darts and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, ultimately, like I said, happiness is just playing with my kids, hanging with my wife, uh, or fishing, fishing. Yeah. I saw your post the other day and I was like, like, that's, you know, the, the like that you were showing off the fish and a big old smile. Like, <laughs> like you can't put a price on that stuff. Right. Especially where we missed a lot of that, you know, because we chose to put substances in our bodies, right. For years and years and years. Right. When I saw that, it put a smile <laughs> on my face. I haven't been fishing in a while, you know, and it brought me back to a story when I was, I mean, I can laugh about it now. Right. But my oldest brother took, um, took us fishing one time. Right. So we're fishing off the pier in Huntington beach. Yeah. It was Huntington beach. Right. Uh, getting ready to leave. Right. And all of a sudden, you know, I, I, oh man, I got, I got something big on here. Right. I, I really, so I pulled this white sea bass in, right. Pull it in, put it in the bucket. And here comes the ranger. He measures it and he goes, well, you're about a quarter inch too short. I got to throw it back. And the thing was dead. Dude, talk about deflated, right? But then I think about oh it now. Right? He made me throw that fish back, but it was like, you know what? I still caught it, right? So maybe a bigger <laughs> fish is going to feed tonight and have a good yeah. meal. But um, <laughs> but when I saw that post, man, it made me smile, right? Because those are, that's what I look for, right? Like the simple things in life that, that makes me happy, right? Like hanging with my wife, uh, playing with my grandkids this weekend, I'm going to go take a chip with my son who just celebrated a year. Right. You know, and you know, that story. So, yes. I mean, like life, like if you heard me complain, Joe, I would like expect you to call me after this and go, dude, I'm going to come over and knock you out. Cause you got a lot to be thankful for. Right. <laughs> and, yeah. and you think about it. We do. Like I have a new friendship with my friend, Joe Nestor and his wife. And you know what I mean? Like hopefully my wife will come to the next event and we'll get to share stories, you know, and, and all yeah. that good stuff. But, um, you know, I really appreciate you coming on and being a guest, Joe, from the bottom of my heart. So um, what I like to do before we end, right, um, like say the audience wants to know more about you or where to find your music. Let the audience know where they can find your music, Joe. Yeah, um, so I'm on uh, iTunes. I'm on Spotify, Amazon, all digital platforms. <clears throat> Just look up Joe Nestor, uh, N-E-S-T-E-R. 
Um, That's right. And uh, I'm I'm on Facebook uh, under Nestor Nation, and uh, everywhere else like Instagram and TikTok is Joe Nestor Music. Uh, you can find me on there. Um, but yeah, man, I just my music is. I think, like you said, you know, it's just it's real. It's real music with a real message, you know, because each song is every song that I write is personal to me, you know, and it tells a story uh, because ultimately uh, music is an art form. And I know you like to read, Max. So for me, each song is like a chapter to my life. Absolutely. You know? So I really appreciate it for you being a guest. No, I appreciate it. I, I am humbled and grateful, you know, uh, not just to be on here, you know, I mean, obviously this is amazing, uh, but just to be your friend, man, I, I just want to say congrats on the 18 years. You know, that's man. That's such an inspiration to me, brother, you know, especially with all that you've been through. Um, but just to see all the blessings, you know, uh, that, that God has poured upon you. Um, it just goes to show you, man, like we got to go through storms. We'll all go through storms, you know, and we'll go through pain, you know, uh, but ultimately it's, it's for a greater purpose. It's to grow, you know, they don't call them growing pains for nothing. I know, um, right? Dude, here's the thing, man. Uh, God has a purpose and plan for each and every one of us. He will allow us to make detours um, because he gives us a choice of free will. Uh, but when you get to that point and you fully surrender, man, and the willingness to let him in and just take the wheel and do the work. He loves each and every one of us so much. And um, he has, you know, big plans for every single one of us. We just have to be willing to let him do it. You know, absolutely. So I couldn't agree more. Cool. Any, well, um, I was going to ask you any last thoughts you want to give to the audience before we part. I mean, that was pretty much it, man. Um, uh, obviously you want to, are you there? Yep. Uh, okay. Uh, obviously you want, you know, you have to be willing to put in the work. Don't be afraid to reach out if anybody's struggling with addiction uh, or any kind of mental illnesses. Don't be afraid to reach out. You know, silence is it. <laughs> it's a killer, man. You know, it's, silence will kill you. Staying silent will kill you. Uh, so don't be afraid to reach out. Uh, there's so many people like Max, you know, like myself, uh, and so many others out there who are more than willing to uh, go above and beyond to get you the help that you or your loved one need, man. Um, and let's just spread the message that we do recover, man. Just got to put in the work and allow God to do his thing. Absolutely. You know? Right. And however that looks for like, Whatever that looks yeah. like for you, like Joe said, right? just know that there's people out there that are willing to help you along the way. So don't be afraid to ask for help. That's actually a sign of strength. So I appreciate you, Joe. I appreciate you coming on and being a guest. I've had such a I great time with you, bro. Can't wait to meet you again in person and see yeah. you and give you a big hug again. And just hang out. Yep. You know, keep doing what you're doing, my brother. I love your Me music. Too, man. Thank you, brother. All right, All my right. friend. Peace. Peace.